Welcome to the Hey Salespeople podcast, where we focus on delivering immediately actionable best practices for sales professionals. I'm your host, Jeremy Donovan from SalesLoft. Hey, salespeople. Today, we're super excited to welcome Jeff Beaumont to the show. Welcome, Jeff. Thank you, Jenna. Glad to be here. For those of you who have listened in the past, you may have noticed that I am not, in fact, Jeremy Donovan, but have no fear. He is here, uh, only as my trusty co-host this time around. Hey, Jeremy. Hello. I'm, I'm psyched about the role reversal here. Switching things up. Uh, so Jeff is the Director of Customer Success Ops at GitLab, which is a complete DevOps platform focused on fundamentally changing the way development, security, and ops teams collaborate and build software. So today we're going to talk about a few things. There's a lot to cover, but first I want to start with just getting to know Jeff a little bit. So uh, Jeff, what's one hobby you picked up during COVID or any any good books you've been reading? During COVID, I expanded my baking ho- hobbies. Uh, before, it was just a few things of bread before here and there. I got much better with my sourdough starter. One day I baked, I think, eight loaves of sourdough, gave them away as Christmas presents. And then in terms of books, I think there's a lot. That's probably another COVID hobby that I've that I've had. And just scanning through my Audible list, uh, it's kind of atrocious. But some of the ones that have been really cool recently is Trailblazer uh, by Mark Benioff, just hearing the story of how he got started with uh, Salesforce. Some other ones would be, oh gosh, uh, What You Do Is Who You Are uh, by Ben Horowitz. And then I think to go with a classic, that one that I keep going back to is The Effective Executive by Peter Drucker. I think in, in tech, we get so hung up on efficiency that we forget that the ultimate goal really is effectiveness. And going back to that book is a, the needed reminder for me of it's not just about how much more you can squeeze out, uh, you know, how many more tasks can you complete in a day or how much faster you can get at something, but it's okay, but are you even doing doing what you want to do? Are you, are you being effective at really what you're, what you're attempting? Yeah. So I, I heard a lot of themes within those books and I think all of them are really great. I've, I have read behind the cloud. I have not read the others. Um, so you're always adding to my reading list. And I think a lot of the themes I heard were how to measure about being effective. So I think, why don't we kind of start with some of your goals for this year, things that are top of mind for you and how you're measuring the effectiveness of all of that. Oh, gosh. Um, I'd say four goals would be operationalize our product usage data, continue to expand our digital programs. Uh, Next one would be uh, expanding our renewal operations. And that's, we already have our sales operations. We have our CS operations. This one's more about how do we make our renewals more effective? How do we make them uh, faster, better for, and even efficient, dare I use efficiency after I just uh, lauded effectiveness, but how do we make them more efficient for our AEs, for our sales reps? Uh, how do we get better visibility into the upcoming renewal pipeline? How do we think about those things? And then finally is building out and expanding our Gainsight uh, instance. Uh, we use Gainsight here at GitLab. We really like it. And so that's the primary tool of our, of our CSMs. Great. So yeah, why don't we start a little bit more on the usage data? Because I think that kind of funnels into, at least from my RevOps experience, my perspective, I feel like that funnels into everything else you just talked about, right? Understanding customer risk and and how they're using your product, I feel like is a driving factor for a lot of the other things. So I would love to hear how you're approaching that. Yeah. At a high level, what we want is to be able to focus much of the company, our company, our internal company around uh, the customer. And so that's, how are we driving customer outcomes? 
what impact does our product, does our team, do our people, does our brand, does our marketing have on our customers and make them better people and better companies themselves? Next one is a little bit more internal where how can we use that for a predictive kind of renewal analysis or growth analysis? Think of like an early warning system or whatnot. And then that also feeds into our digital motion. When we know that a customer has done something, how do we action that? And that can be whether uh, for a CSM to be notified that, hey, a customer just started doing something or stopped doing something or hasn't deployed their licenses or they've deployed all their licenses. Or it could be we don't have a CSM on an account. It's a digital account. And maybe we can send them some content. Maybe they've just begun exploring a, an area of the product that they hadn't before. Maybe we could send them some enablement campaigns, some content to help them learn more about it, and then tie that in with the rest of marketing, with sales, with CS. So as we're thinking about how do we help these customers with content, with expansion, with finding value, really value realization, getting the outcomes that they want, how do we use that data? And so that's been a couple year journey for us, pulling that data into Salesforce and Gainsight, uh, determining which metrics matter. So a lot of that's internal uh, interviews, talking to different CSMs, talking to different reps and uh, PMs, product managers, and understanding, hey, when you think about this part of the product, or when you think about your customers, what are the features that you care about? And then going, taking those metrics, distilling them, and then running an analysis against what our CSMs and different Sales reps have said, hey, this customer has adopted this use case or this approach. Uh, these customers have not. And then doing a comparison of what are the things that stand out for this group of customers versus that group of customers? Are there one, two, three, four, five, 10, 20 different metrics that indicate that a customer has adopted this use case? So it could be source code management for us. It could be continuous integration. Or what are the things that, that, that help us help shed light on what a customer has not yet adopted? And then we can compare it to why they bought. So if they said, hey, I want to buy for reason X, Y, Z, and then we see that they've successfully deployed X, but not Y and Z, hey, that's good information for not only the CSM, but the sales rep as well. So before the sales rep reaches out, calls them up and says, hey, how's it going? Let's talk about the renewal. They go into that knowing they've only really succeeded at one out of three. And maybe that's okay, because maybe they're on a two, three-year time horizon, the customer might be. And we're only one year in. Okay, great. That's fine. But that information can change how we approach not only the renewals, um, not only expansion conversations, or even just check-in calls, but it can help set up the sales rep, the CSM, and others for success so that they know this is what I need to do. And then finally would be distilling all of that into our customer health scoring. On our, on our handbook page, uh, There's a you can go to about.gitlab.com, go to our handbook, and then just type in customer health scoring. I do have a question on customer health scoring, which is, uh, we you know we don't yet have an external or third party customer health scoring system, so we've we've rolled our own. So I'm going to use you for some free free consulting. <laughs> we do roll up every account, um, and, and we th- have things in four categories in account related things, right? So the ARR, the renewal date, and so on. Configuration related things, right? Because they're set up that they need to do in order to use our system. The next category is adoption kind of obvious usage and adoption. The last thing is sentiment, which is where we put NPS and CSAT. Are those like ballpark, the right categories to be thinking about when you're building out a health score? Yes. Um, let's walk through the, the GitLab one and maybe maybe this can help. I'd say when, when we think about health scores, we need to think about what, it, what question are we trying, trying to address? 
And the question that we wanted to address is, and, and there's a lot, right? There's, you can say, we want a health score to indicate if there's, if this customer is likely to churn. We want a health score to indicate, is this customer likely to contract or sorry, uh, uh, expand, or maybe it's contract and expand. So maybe if it's green, they want to, they want to expand. If it's yellow, maybe stay, you know, flat renewal. If it's red, they want to contract. So that's one avenue of looking at it. Another one is what just product usage are they doing? Like, are they active in the product, which could be an indicator for retention? Maybe so, maybe no. So those are a couple ways of, of thinking about that. There's more as well. You know, how, how is their adoption? Have they achieved their desired outcomes? Are they a promoter of the product? What we've decided on that we want to know is more about outcomes, or rather actually to expand on that as value realization. So we created an acronym called PROVE. And we use that internally to remind ourselves that we need to prove value to our customers. That's what our health score is for. Can be obnoxious at times because every time I look at this and I, and I go off the main path, and I think, oh, we could use this to help indicate if a customer is likely to turn or not. It's like, no, no, no. Like the goal of this is to prove value to our customers. And so with that, PROVE stands for product, risk, outcomes, voice of the customer, and engagement. So product, you know, have they activated their licenses? Are their users using the product? Have they achieved their, their use cases that they purchased? So if a customer, you know, going back to the XYZ thing, if they, if they bought for X, Y, and Z, they've only successfully deployed X, that's an indicator for us that they haven't achieved their outcomes that they sought out for. Uh, the next one is risk. That's TAM sentiment. Uh, maybe there's some other risks that we can have, or sorry, CSM sentiment. Um, that's where the CSM would put in and say, hey, you know, I think they're green, yellow, red. Next one, outcomes. So that is, this is probably the core of it. And that is going to be what's in their success plan. Are they achieving their outcomes? have we verified their outcomes with them? So not just me marking off a, a box or checking a box saying, hey, yeah, you know, I, I think the customer achieved it. But me asking you, hey, Jeremy, we've been working on this for the last six months. You know, we've had it on our list that we want to accomplish this really big audacious goal. I think we've done it. Where do you stand? Do you think like what, what still remains? And then you would tell me, yeah, we, we've, we've checked that off. We're good, Jeff. Great. Then I would check that off. or or you say, no, actually, we're, we're not done. Like, we still have these two other things. Like, why do you think we're done? And then that helps us stay aligned, but also make sure that as we're documenting internally, that we know we have uh, achieved Jeremy's goals or we haven't achieved Jeremy's goals. Uh, voice of the customer, and that's support surveys. So was there support experience with us? Um, are there escalations? Uh, surveys that could be things like NPS or customer satisfaction, and then finally engagement. So that is an amalgamation of customer engagement. So for our higher touch accounts, are we having regular cadence calls with our customers? Um, have they gone dark on us? That would be one. A couple others is do we have executive sponsorship with those larger accounts? So if, if it's a larger account or if it's a strategic account, we want to make sure that we don't just have a relationship between maybe the sales rep and CSM and, and our contact there, but that maybe some of our executives have relationships with their executives. Uh, I think that's really important, especially in this great resignation time as people are moving around. One of the risks for salespeople is always to get single-threaded. And this is one way to counter that. Uh, and then next would be events. I know these are the things that happened before COVID, you know, where we actually got together. Uh, another way would be uh, webinars or other online events, uh, just seeing like, hey, if, if customers are participating in that, that's great. 
And then one of the other things that we're, we're starting is our education, our GitLab Learn education program. And so are our customers getting certified? You know, are they expanding their knowledge about GitLab? I want to be clear, like not all of these things are uh, 100% complete. And if you go to the handbook page, you can even see which ones are fully complete, which ones are half complete, which ones haven't even started. I, I really would love to drill in a little bit more into that outcomes piece as well. You know, it sounds like you are collecting the information up front. It sounds like there's a really effective knowledge transfer process between sales and CS and, you know, whoever's touching that customer to really gather those insights and communicate throughout the life cycle. It's not the easiest thing uh, having been at multiple companies that have struggled with this and understanding, A, how do we even baseline customers? You know, when, when we're signing someone on, what are the metrics that are even important to them? Not only the anecdotal stuff, but how do we get a good baseline? And then more importantly, how do we transfer those that knowledge and commu- keep the communication lines open to the CS team so that they're able to maybe leverage something like Gainsight or just you know their own intuition or QBRs to really drive home the value that's there. So I would love to hear your approach to that and how you've managed to, to facilitate that communication and find those correct baselines. So I think this is where I put in the obligatory, we are far from perfect. In ops, I think an aspect of ops is that you always see all the problems, right? And you forget sometimes all the goodness. So that said, we have plenty of room to improve. But one of the aspects is that we have, at the very beginning, we have our command plan. So that's led by the sales rep that follows medic processes. So identifying what are the metrics, what's the success criteria, what's the close plan, what are the risks? And in that is, why is the customer buying? What are they hoping to achieve? Are they hoping to deploy better products faster? Is there a security or compliance concern that they want to have and lock things down or just make sure that they have safeguards in place? Are they looking to grow revenue by using the product? And then from there, distilling that down into the use cases. So are they using it for, again, going back to source code management or CI, um, using it for security? There's a number of different use cases that they can apply or or say, hey, I I really want to buy GitLab to solve this pain point that I'm having or multiple pain points. So the sales rep collects that in Salesforce, close the deal, and then the CSM will open up a success plan in Gainsight. And then they'll flesh that out both with the sales rep, their solution architect team, uh, who's been working with that customer generally through that process, and then also with the customer to validate those, those reasons, especially as you know, in some cases, months have passed since since the sales rep was beginning to collect that information. And so at the end, it's just a validation of like, hey, just to confirm, like, we're all sitting together. These are still your reasons, right? And so then the, the CSM will use that. They'll include things like highlights and strategy, and they'll, they'll orchestrate the success plan around what is the customer's objectives. So maybe it's to consolidate different tool packages together. Maybe it's to deploy certain security features or functionality. Whatever it might be, the CSM is there to support them, to help them grow. Uh, we have technical CSMs here, so they, they're going to be able to counsel and provide advice to the customer and pull in different experts from product, from different teams on what that customer needs going forward. And then in there, what we're going to be able to do is to say, okay, here are the reasons they bought. And then going back to those metrics, that usage data, so we have uh, effectively in the in the background, we have features that are tied to metrics that are tied to use cases. And then with that, we can tie that to why the customer bought. And then so over time, we can say, 
hey, it doesn't matter as much if a customer doesn't use all aspects of the product. You know, maybe it'd be great if they use more more aspects of the product. Sure. And maybe that's a good long-term long-term strategy. But does it align with why the customer bought? And so then we link the, the command plan in Salesforce to the success plan in Gainsight to the usage data in Gainsight. And then you can look and say, okay, do I have check marks all the way across the board? Do we have the identified purchase reasons lined up with the success plan of the customer, lined up with the outcomes, the metrics? In there, you mentioned that your CSMs are fairly technical people. Do you make a distinction between CSMs and what are referred to as TAMs, technical account managers, or is that the same role for you? For us, it's the same role. We call them TAMs. Uh, I'm, I'm using CSM here just for the common vernacular. In, in what instances, I mean, everything's contextual, but in what instances should a company separate those two roles, if any? I think there's probably a few criteria you can use. One is lots of larger enterprises have both. Can the TAMs provide a service in which you can charge for because the customer needs uh, more and ongoing services? So I've used different services. I've used different companies um, where I've brought on a TAM. I've hired a TAM to say, hey, I have this bigger project and it may not be professional services or maybe it is part of, you know, for some companies it might be part of professional services, but I don't need a thing built. I might need counsel. I might need guidance. Um, It might just be an ongoing relationship that I might need. Another one is the time that I have with the CSM just isn't enough. You know, I, I only have an hour with a CSM a week or a month or whatever it is. And it's like, gosh, for, for this to be successful, I need more time. And so maybe you want to buy blocks of time, similar to how you might buy uh, professional services. Like, how do you draw the line between what should be a paid service versus what you're providing as a CSM or even a TAM that might do some paid and some, you know, just inclusive services? The CSM should be there to drive strategic focus for the customer. They should be there to drive their objectives and to pull in counterparts and different folks within the company to help support the customer. But I would draw the line where you need technical resources. You need significant resources. Um, if you if you try to do that, you don't have the headcount to be able to support that customer and every other customer with those needs. And generally, it might be like a migration. You could bucket things into migrations, large expansions deployments, rollouts, where you might need either professional services because you might need to build something, you might need to migrate something, or you need a TAM resource. I think where we get stuck is where a lot of CSMs want to help the customer. And I think one of the things that's hard for us as CSMs, because I've been a CSM in the past, is the customer says, you're so helpful. Thank you. By the way, can you help me with this thing? I just need five minutes. And then that balloons over time. And at some point, you need to learn where the line is to say, this is ballooned so big, like I can't continue supporting you in this way. What we need to do is we need to look at professional services to help. You know, I'm going to be there to, to continue to support you from a strategic perspective and making sure that you're getting value realization and you're achieving your goals. But what you're asking for is a much bigger project. And I think companies, uh, GitLab actually has it on their, um, in their professional services handbook section, but has a list of things that professional services can offer. And we also detail what a TAM offers. And so I think clearly spelling out what it is that, a, that our CSMs do, what our professional services do, what other people do, I think that helps both internally and also externally, especially when I, as a CSM, I get on the phone and I want to help the customer and then I go, oh, yeah, what you're, 
you're asking for five minutes, but really what it's going to turn into is a much bigger project where I'm not going to be able to actually help you because you need this bigger project or you need more expertise. And if I helped you, it's just going to ruin it for everyone because you're going to be unhappy with the result because I don't have the expertise or I don't have sufficient time and I'm going to feel burnt out and feel like I didn't do a good job. What's your philosophy on compensation for CSMs? And aligning that with those swim lanes and those roles and responsibilities and that top line strategic goal, both being from a CSM background and you know now being leading the CS ops team. I think there's two ways to put it, and I'm going to expand the question and say, how do you comp a CSM, but also where does the expense sit on the PL? Does it sit in COGS, cost of goods sold? Does it sit in sales and marketing? I would say it goes back to what is the CSM doing? If the CSM is just more reactive there, if a customer needs something, answering technical issues or whatnot, I would say that might be more COGS because that might be more of a cost of doing business. And by that nature, I would say maybe maybe a flat salary is fine uh, or maybe just a small bonus. On the other end of the spectrum is if the CSM is strategic, if the CSM is driving value for the customer, if the CSM is doing things that um, especially relate to the renewal or expansion, uh, whether or not they own the renewal, but if they have sizable input and influence into the renewal, into expansion, into churn, it's better to adjust the compensation to say, hey, let's do a, a split between salary and commissions, some sort of incentive comp structure. When you do that, then I think that also changes the dynamics on the PL to say, this really isn't cost of sales. This is now actually sales and marketing expense. This goes below the line. So I think those are a couple of ways of thinking about it. What I see often is probably like an 80-20 or 70-30 split. I, I see that fairly common. Um, some will do more, some will do a little bit less. I think a good starting point, if a company hasn't started and is still unsure, maybe just start with a 90-10, something where it still provides plenty of safety for the CSM as as they get into to a new setup, um, especially for the first year. And then you can expand it uh, or you can adjust it in, in following years where you maybe move to like a 85-15 or an 80-20 and maybe end up at a 75-25 or 70-30. But it really comes back to what is the CSM's role? What are they driving at? Are they strategic? Are they influencing sales and ARR outcomes? And, and then just as we wrap, I, I had one final question is, you know, you've had so much experience as a CSM, as a CS ops leader, I'm going to steal this question from one of my favorite podcasts that I listen to. It's called Churn.fm, and he this, uh, he asked this question at the end, which is: Imagine that you know you go into a new organization and they have a churn and retention problem, and you don't have the option of saying that you're going to look at the data. What's one play that you've run in the past in CS that, again, knowing nothing else, you'd be reasonably confident that play would work in various organizations? Uh, if you're going to put me on the spot, I would start with onboarding because if you, and you can use a couple, couple metaphors here, you could call it a first date. If you want to, you can say you got to step off on the right foot together. Um, you got to be in sync. If you don't do that at the very beginning, if you mess up, if you have a bad interaction up front, that is the expectation forever thereafter. Instead of saying, you know, I messed up and then you do it right. The next couple of times, the customer is still going to have in the back of their mind, like, uh, but I don't know that I can trust them. Like they messed up. But instead, if you have a really great first experience, 
if you mess up again, or if, sorry, not again, if you mess up later, the customer is going to discount that because it's like, yeah, but I had that great first experience. This is probably more of a fluke. And so if I had to jump in and make one change, it would be to onboarding. And uh, that's what I've done in the past. That's actually one lesson that I learned. You say it as if it's uh, a hypothetical, but I actually have that happen in my past where I joined another SaaS startup. And the first thing I focused on was onboarding because I knew their general structure, how they did it. And I understood the customer market and said, okay, we can do plenty of things. We can try to do some save plays and whatever else, but really we need to start with onboarding. And that, that changed turnaround. The downside, of course, starting with onboarding is you have this whole slew of customers who've never gone through onboarding, don't have support. And so it does take some time to turn the ship around. So if you're looking for an instant hit to churn reduction or renewal rates, it's not going to be it. But if you're looking for a a long-term, long-lasting influence, it's going to be onboarding. All really great insights. I think we could probably go on for hours uh, just talking all things CSOPs and ops in general. Uh, but you know, I want to leave it off at such a good answer to an on-the-spot question from Jeremy. I do want to remind everybody too, I know we talked about the handbook from GitLab a lot during this show. Can you just remind us again where people can access that? Yeah. Go to about.gitlab.com um, or just Google uh, GitLab handbook, G-I-T-L-A-B handbook. Sounds like I have some uh, weekend reading to do. So very excited about that. So um, thank you so much for all of the really, really great insights. Um, Thank you, Jeremy, for being my co-host for once and for letting me uh, switch roles here for a bit. Um, And until next time. Hey, Salespeople is a production made in partnership with Frequency Media. I'm your host, Jeremy Donovan. This podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever podcasts are found. Thanks for listening to the Hey Salespeople podcast.